UBS bought Credit Suisse this weekend, hoping that the lateral deal would be a relief to the bank stress across the globe. The Federal Reserve, the Bank of England and the Swiss National Bank are now next central banks to announce their policy verdicts this week amid the banking stress after the European Central Bank went ahead and raised its interest rates by 50 basis points last week. So welcome to the new week of trading with Swiss Coats Daily Market Talk. So if you wonder how we spent last weekend, well, we spent it mostly wondering what would happen to Credit Suisse, whether the rumors that we were hearing that UBS could or would finally buy Credit Suisse could become true and how much UBS would pay to acquire Credit Suisse if it decided to go ahead and buy it. Well, the verdict fell a bit before dinner time yesterday on Sunday before the Asian Open. UBS indeed decided to buy Credit Suisse, but in a government brokered deal to end the situation, the stress, which was obviously becoming a political headache beyond the Swiss borders as the US and the European authorities started just calling the Swiss authorities and asking them to do something about Credit Suisse, which obviously is or was one of the world's biggest, biggest banks that obviously pose a systemic risk to the global financial system. So this morning, after 166 glorious years, well, the latest one being a bit less glamorous than uh, the previous one, certainly, well, Credit Suisse is no more. UBS bought it for 76 cents of franc per share or 3 billion francs in total. But the Swiss National Bank offered UBS 100 billion US dollars in liquidity to make sure that the takeover could actually go smoothly. And Swiss government offered 9 billion francs to UBS to guarantee any losses that they would make on Credit Suisse. So the deal triggered the complete write down of all Credit Suisse additional tier one bonds. And here we are right now. Here we are today. I can't really tell you how the UBS shares will react to the decision, but we can definitely discuss uh, about it in the comments below as the market is not open yet at the time I'm talking here this morning. It is yet to be open, but the Asian indices kicked off the week in the negative territory, hinting that the relief over the Credit Suisse situation is yet to come. US futures open in the positive in Asia, but reverse these gains and they are in the negative at the time I'm talking here right now while the Japanese Nikkei index fell more than 1% while Hansang dropped more than 3% and HSBC fell 7% in Hong Kong trading. In the FX markets while well, the situation is quite jittery the US dollar actually opened softer in Asia the dollar franc was stronger and gold was down now it's up looking at the $2,000 psychological level as I'm talking here risk sentiment remains obviously fragile and well the winds could actually rapidly change direction so the next few hours of trading will obviously give us a better and a clearer picture on how and if this crisis is contained but keep in mind that in theory there is no reason whatsoever for the credit Suisse crisis to continue and to extend as what triggered the last and the latest quake for credit Suisse was obviously uh, the shockwaves from the silicon valley bank collapse a week ago 
go in the US, but what really hit Credit Suisse and what really, you know, made this uh, action fatal for Credit Suisse was not his fundamentals or the weakness of his balance sheet, because that's not true. Credit Suisse had a strong balance sheet and FINMA, the Swiss watchdog, actually came in to tell the market that Credit Suisse has a strong balance sheet, but what really, really hit Credit Suisse this hard was a confidence crisis. So this is not the case for UBS, which is a bank outside of this turmoil who just took over the troubled Credit Suisse with, in addition, a lot, a lot of liquidity and guarantees from the Swiss National Bank and the Swiss government. So if all goes well, we actually hope to leave this couple of shaky, shaky days across the global banks behind us and be able to concentrate on the next Federal Reserve decision due this week. Now, one thing is important to note about the Fed is that the Federal Reserve's quantitative tightening was clearly out of the window since the Silicon Valley Bank debacle a week ago as the Federal Reserve's balance sheet just ticked higher last week. Uh, because the Fed was trying to help to ease the stress across the banks. But the QT and last week's emergency intervention from the Fed in terms of increasing liquidity are conceptually different things. And more interestingly, while we could actually think that this reverse QT, which obviously increased the Fed's balance sheet, could have some negative implications for inflation because the Federal Reserve is just adding liquidity into the system, whereas this was trying to you know, take away liquidity to tighten the financial conditions. Well, an index on financial conditions in the US suggests that the financial conditions have, on the contrary, tightened sharply since last week, even though uh, the Fed's balance sheet takes higher, and it tightened to the tightest level since last fall, and that could be an argument for the Federal Reserve to actually pose its rate hikes soon. But perhaps not from this week, because the expectation for this week's FOMC meeting is still a 25 basis point hike from the Federal Reserve. Activity on Fed funds futures gives around 60% chance for a 25 basis point hike from the Fed this Wednesday. Then we will actually see what the March dot plot from the Fed will show and what the Fed chair Jerome Powell will say about what could happen next amid all uh, the bank crisis that was happening since last week. Now, remember that last week, the European Central Bank played down the bank stress and hiked its rates by 50 basis points, saying that inflation is expected to remain too high for too long in the eurozone and that the bank has other tools in its hands to intervene in case the market needs liquidity. So that was it. That was it for the ECB. The Fed could actually do the same and downplay the liquidity issues, but there was at least some good news for the Federal Reserve on the wire by the end of last week, and that was that the U.S. short-term inflation expectations fell in March to the lowest level since 2021, so to the lowest levels in almost two years, and that's obviously excellent news for the Federal Reserve's inflation battle, as these inflation expectations have actually a material impact on where inflation itself is headed. So we just can't wait to see what the Federal Reserve will make of all this information and what kind of cake it will serve investors this week. Now, besides the Federal Reserve, the People's Bank of China kept its LPR rate steady for the seventh month to boost growth in China. And the Bank of England and the Swiss National Bank will also announce their latest monetary policy verdicts throughout this week. Now, the European Central Bank's 50 basis point hike last week tilted the expectations back to a 20 
25 basis point hike for the Bank of England as well. Whereas uh, here in Switzerland, the Swiss National Bank is expected to hike its policy rate by 50 basis points as well, parallel to the European Central Bank in an effort to keep inflation pressures in Switzerland contained. And in this respect, well, the Euro Swissy, which hovers around the one mark since last October, should actually continue vacillate around this level for the next couple of weeks if there is not a major situation that changes that landscape. Now, the banking turmoil has been a boon for the technology stocks last week. That's something that we should really note. The sharp fall in rate hike expectations, which actually resulted in a sharp fall in global yields, drove more than 500 billion. US dollars in market value to Microsoft, Apple, Google and Amazon last week. Microsoft rallied more than 15% last week. Amazon gained almost 15% as well and flirted with the $100 psychological mark per share. Same with Google. The shares of Google also gained around 15% last week and closed last week above the $100 psychological mark for the very first time since the beginning of last February, while Apple added 6% last week. And well, Bitcoin, which has a strong correlation with the technology stocks, had a great, great few sessions as well. The coin actually gained 45% since the March 10 dip. And more importantly, and I think there's something that is important to note, Bitcoin showed that it could actually act as a hedge to a global bank stress. Now, of course, it's yet to be seen whether uh, Bitcoin and the big technology stocks could hold on to their latest gains if the Federal Reserve brings its inflation battle back on the table as did the European Central Bank last week and, you know, hikes without pity. But for now, it looks like the technology stocks and the Bitcoin had a good couple of sessions. Elsewhere, crude oil kicked off the week under pressure below the $70 per barrel level as the bank stressed way on the global growth prospects and sent the price of a barrel below this psychological $70 per barrel mark. Now note that the RSI indicator suggests that the American crude stepped into the oversold market conditions, meaning that crude oil has maybe been sold just too fast in a too short period of time. And that could mean that a positive correction would actually be healthy at the current levels. So this is all for this Monday. I'm Ipek Özkardeşkaya and thank you for joining me this Monday. I hope this episode of Market Talk has been helpful and it has been insightful to you. So please do not hesitate to leave your comments your reactions and your questions below as usual and follow us on Instagram, on Twitter and on LinkedIn for regular market updates and subscribe of course to our YouTube channel for daily market comments. I will meet you again tomorrow and until then, good day trading.